So, hello, it's Clive DeCarl, welcoming you to another edition of the Health Revolution. I'm in Acapulco, in Mexico, at the, um... Where are we? Anarcho 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 <laughs> and I'm joined by the fantastic Del Bigtree, who I think must be the most famous person in the, if you like, uh, vaccine revelations world. And I'd like to congratulate you on the fabulous work you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Truly incredible. Yeah. And I mean, the way I see it is that they would like to forcibly vaccinate us and it looks like that's where they're going would you say that's the plan that's absolutely where they're going i mean if you you know you look at i think first of all the united states is where it's really pushing uh, uh, the hardest uh, australia already has very powerful mandatory vaccine laws we're watching in germany now they're they just passed a compulsory uh, mmr vaccine law but in this in united states of america in california where i was living uh, we passed the first, I think, the most draconian vaccine law there was with SB 277 that took the rights away from parents. Essentially, if you want to send your child to a public school or a private school, you have to vaccinate them. There's no exemptions anymore. So just to be clear, uh, there's a mandate for vaccines, has been for quite some time in the United States of America, but every state, most states had an, an opt-out, an exemption, either religious or a personal belief exemption or both. So what we're hearing, you know, these laws are being passed now, state by state by state. New York just passed it. Uh, California, like I said, Maine, Mississippi, West Virginia. Uh, there's bills being dropped right now in New Jersey. Um, I think Connecticut, I, I could go on and on. It's, it's obviously a push by the pharmaceutical industry and they call it to remove non-medical exemptions. So any exemption that's not medically based. And I think the irony of that, I, I think of it like the witch trials in many ways, where, you know, you always heard this joke where they would put a witch out on the water and if she sank and drowned, she was innocent. If she floated, she, you know, she was guilty. Yeah. So it's a lose-lose. In many ways, I, that's how I see the medical exemption. You only get a medical exemption after you've been injured by a vaccine. So your child develops a neurological disorder or an autoimmune disease and you can prove it. Then they say, okay, you don't, you know, you get a medical exemption. Nobody gets a medical exemption until they're already hurt. So it's a really ridiculous way to be going about this. And, and yeah, so the... The thing that I think is most important that I try to get across is, you know, as these exemptions are being taken away from us, you know, the media is involved in this push. You know, the media is pushing this agenda for the pharmaceutical industry and so is our government. So you really have to follow the money trail and understand what's going on. You know, the pharmaceutical industry is the most powerful lobby in Washington. It's outspending oil and gas two to one. So when I look at that, you have to think, we fight wars in the Middle East for oil and gas. If pharma is putting twice that amount of money into our government, what is it they're getting back? And, and so when we look at it, there's a, a push. And then if you look at the television set, you know, 50 to 70% or more of the advertising and television is coming from the pharmaceutical industry. I really need people to wrap their heads around the fact that that box in your living room or in your bedroom is a is simply a billboard for the pharmaceutical industry. And all of the entertainment that's playing there in between it is simply to keep your eyes glued to it so that they can sell you drugs and vaccines and the idea, brainwashing idea, that you can't live without pharmaceutical intervention. The only reason you're alive on this planet is because of vaccines and pharma. And that is just beat into you by your news and by every ad uh, that you're watching. And then I'm, I say that because I worked in television. I was a producer on the CBS talk show, The Doctors. I won an Emmy Award working for the most powerful, you know, Pfizer and Merck and pushing a medical agenda as a, as a television show. So I'm not just making that up. That, that's where I come from. So when you look at this whole thing, what's really going on, you know, and I'm trying to put it as, as simply as possible, is that it's not just about our kids. They, they're playing on our sensitivities and our fears that there's there's babies at risk, infants at risk of dying from measles or dying from whooping cough. And so we all go, great, yeah, those people that aren't vaccinated, they're putting those babies at risk, take away the exemptions. Well, it's really foolish because what this is about is not about those kids. Pharmaceutical industry is not outspending oil and gas two to one because they want that client, that two to three percent of children that weren't being vaccinated five years ago by you know hippie parents or whatever, however they want to refer to, to us. The money is in the adults. And what is really taking place is we're right on the cusp of having a forced adult vaccine mandate all around the world. The United States, it's already gone down in Argentina. In Argentina. 
In Argentina last year, they passed a law that you cannot get a driver's license, you cannot get a passport, you can't get a visa unless you get your adult vaccinations. I believe that was the test ground to see that people revolt. Was there a problem with that? It seemed to go fairly smoothly. In the United States of America, we have the real ID coming online in October of 2020. In, in Europe, they have a, a, a medical ID that they want to have in place by 2023. All of that will be connecting your medical records and your vaccine records to it. At that point, the same thing for all of us. We won't be able to get on a plane. You won't be able to leave the country. You may not be able to get a driver's license. All of these things are going to be wrapped into vaccination. And that is key. Because when I say to people that like, well, I think every baby should be vaccinated, I said, well, you do realize they're about to start force vaccinating you. It's amazing how many people say over my dead body, like I don't need vaccines, I'm doing just fine. It's interesting that we'll just put our babies into this thing, but when it comes to us, all of a sudden we wake up. And I think it's where I like to take the conversation for someone who seems like they're a little bit closed-minded on this. But it's already written the law. We already see it. Health and Human Services, which is the, the mothership of our uh, uh, medical system in America, our health system, health and human services overseas, CDC, FDA, e uh, EPA, HRSA. Um, so all of that health and human services sits on top of it. On their own website, they have what was called Healthy People 2020, and it was a 100% vaccine compliance by every adult in America by 2020. I think that Donald Trump, no matter what anyone thinks of him, he actually stalled that. He did not follow through with that agenda. Hillary Clinton really was passionate about pushing that agenda through. And so as we go into these next elections, it's gonna, it's sort of gonna really decide how quickly this forced vaccine mandate comes. But Trump, I think, was very anti-vaccine at one point because he, I think he had a, a relative, a child, relative damaged by. There's a lot of speculation on that. You know, I don't like to speculate. I'm a journalist. I make sure that everything I say, that I have peer-reviewed sources and, and things like that. Donald Trump, we do know, uh, during um, uh, the campaign, was asked several times, even during debates, you've said that uh, you think vaccines cause autism. And he was very clear. I do believe that vaccines cause autism. He said, I'm not anti-vaccine. I just think we're giving too many shots, too big a shots, all at one time. Uh, and we've got to change this system. Of course, he's immediately labeled anti-vaccine. It's very similar to many of the things that Robert Kennedy Jr., who I work with a lot, talks about. I never say I'm anti-vaccine. What we've been involved in is, in, is, is science. You know, I, I come from, you know, I didn't work on the doctors because I hated it. I loved working on that television show. I loved reading medical journals. I love the advancement of science and medicine. There's people that are, you know, bringing acupuncture is being done at Cleveland Clinic. I mean, I celebrated things like that. There's places where we really are sort of bringing the old, you know, tens of thousands of year old technology that was once called Hocus Pocus into hospitals and seeing it work. So there are advancements I really appreciate. Uh, but when we look at vaccines, the issue with it is that the science is not being done. It is not being done. I mean, so, so I started, you know, I sort of made my place by, I think you might have mentioned, I created the film Bax, I was the producer on the film Bax. That happened while I was working at the doctor's television show, where I got tipped off, there was a whistleblower at the CDC that was going to come forward and profess that they're committing scientific fraud on the vaccine safety studies, and specifically the MMR autism study. The study in 2000, 2004 was looking at the MMR and did it cause autism. Thompson provided 10,000 documents and stated very clearly, we saw a causal relationship between the MMR vaccine and autism and we hid it from the public. Um, I won't get into all the details of that, but if you haven't seen Baxter, you really need to see it. It's, it's very, a, very powerful. Yeah. yeah, very important that everybody sees Baxter. Yeah. There's no question. So when I was traveling the country, you know, there, it was an amazing thing. We got kicked out of Tribeca Film Festival, which was really, you know, those are the types of things that make me believe in God, you know, that something we never would have expected. We were forced out of a festival where we were in. Robert De Niro came forward who is one of the founders of the Tribeca Film Festival, said, this is a film everyone needs to see. I'm standing by this film, even though we're being attacked by CNN and, and major newspapers around the world. He said, I have a child with autism. A lot of people don't know that. And my wife and I believe that vaccines may have contributed to that. And I want this film to be seen. At that point, we, we were under a lot of fire. We were like, good, we got Robert De Niro, we stood up for it. And then I think within 36 hours, we got a call, you're being pulled from the festival. Not even Robert De Niro could overcome the pressure from pharmaceutical entities 
uh, outside, which I can't even imagine what really happened in there. But that being kicked out of Tribeca Film Festival shocked uh, the media world and, and film and, and independent filmmakers. And it was the biggest news story all of a sudden on, you know, certainly on social media all around the world. Yeah. So it made Vax, it, it got us advertising we could have never dreamed of. Brilliant. And so we ended up starting a tour with the film. We bought a bus with Vax written on the side of it. And parents would come and, you know, it became a memorial uh, across the country. Of, People with, whose children had been killed by a vaccine had injury stories, and then they would come on the bus and record their story. Came this powerful. You can go to vax.com, v-a-x-x-e-d.com, and see the true life stories of these parents. You can click in what vaccine you're curious about, or, or an area, a state, however you want to look at it, and just see these amazing testimonials. But while we were doing that tour, you know, the same questions kept coming up: is you know, your film is about the MMR vaccine. What about the other vaccines? Are they safe? Or a parent would say, well, I'm definitely going to avoid the MMR, but we'll do the other ones. And I was like, I don't know, because when we're on this bus, I have parents coming in that said the flu shot killed their, their child, that a, D, a Tdap vaccine, in fact, more people said that their child's autism started after the DTAP vaccine than the MMR. The MMR has always been the one we hear in the media talk about. The MMR was the center of my film. But I can't tell you the thousands of people that came up and said, we never got to the MMR. We lost our kid right after the DTAP vaccine. And so because of that, you know, the question, is it just the MMR vaccine? I needed an answer to that. Of course, I'd already ruined my television career. There's no way I could go back to the doctors. Vaxxed was the most controversial medical documentary, maybe in history, certainly of the time. We have bomb threats all around the world where people try to sneak it into a theater in Australia or whatever it is. Um, so I started a nonprofit uh, to do what I do as a, as a journalist and really investigate everything about one word. I think I'm maybe the only journalist in history that's investigated one word about one product, and that's safety. I wanted to know how we're saying we say vaccines are safe and effective. Right now, I'm only beginning the effective part, but I'm done with a four-year investigation into safety. And I, I brought in a legal team. We have one of the greatest legal teams, I think, in medical, you know, the medical establishment has ever tried to deal with. And so we are sued. We've sued Health and Human Services in one. Wow. We sued the National Institute of Health in one. We just settled a case with the FDA. We're currently in a lawsuit against the CDC in the scram because what we've discovered is not a single childhood vaccine that we give our children ever use the scientific method to, to develop to um, prove safety, which is a double-blind inert placebo study. It's never happened for any of the 16 vaccines we give our kids. And so we've actually made, the, the medical establishment will now say, if it's, a, if it's a relatively intelligent person, they say we can't do placebo studies because it's unethical. We had never heard that before. It always been, oh, they're being done, you just don't know where to find them. Well, Bobby Kennedy and I, Donald Trump set up a meeting for us at the National Institute of Health. We sat across from all the heads of Health and Human Services, CDC, FDA, about 12 of the top you know, immunologists and, and, and that run our you know, sort of vaccine program. And we said, show us the placebo studies on any, any one of the childhood vaccines. And at one point, you know, in a very tense meeting, uh, uh, one of the scientists said, well, we do double-blind studies, but you just don't see them because they're in earlier phase trials. And we're like, okay, but that's why we're here. We're here for the American people as consumer advocates saying, we really need to see the safety study. And the only way to establish safety is a, is a placebo study. So please, this is the National Institute of Health. All of your records are here. Please go get it. We, all we do is we just want to see it. And so there's quiet. All of a sudden, like just went hush quiet. And then Tony Fauci, head of infectious disease, says, we don't do placebo studies because it's unethical. And then Francis Collins, head of National Institute of Health, says, that's right. That's right. We don't do them because it's unethical. Meaning, vaccines, almost more like religion, they have a belief that they're so effective and so great even a brand new one like the HPV Gardasil vaccine, that to deny a placebo group this great life-saving med, you know, for the four or five years like drugs go through, uh, would be unethical. And so they stand by that. And you know, I could have an argument about whether it's ethical or not to give one group a vaccine and leave the other group without a brand new vaccine. But I think you have to ask yourself, is it ethical to give an untested product and inject it into millions of children around the world, never having proof to say? 
and then inject five, six, sometimes 10 vaccines at the same sitting in a two-month-old or four-month-old baby without ever having done the study about the synergistic effects between those vaccines at the same time in millions of children around the world. I believe that that's unethical. Um, but those are the, so from that basis and that standpoint, all of the work I am doing now is suing currently the CDC saying, I want to see, you say vaccines don't cause autism. Everywhere we've looked, we can only find studies that looked at the MMR vaccine and autism and mercury and autism. Mercury that was in a few of the vaccines been taken mostly out, still in flu shot. It's a deeper story, you don't need to get in the weeds. But we're talking one of 17 vaccines we give our kids in multiple doses at one time. And I told you, more parents have said, my child got autism at the DTaP vaccine. You know, there has never, ever been a study in the history of vaccination that took children whose parents said the DTaP caused my child's autism in a study that looked at DTaP causing autism. It's never been done. And for those that don't know, what, what is the DTaP vaccine? DTaP is diphtheria, tetanus, and acellular pertussis, whooping cough. The, the biggest part, I mean, you have tetanus, which almost nobody ever gets anymore, and diphtheria. And I guess people would argue, well, that's because of the vaccine, whatever you, you want to think about that. But it's whooping cough is what they sell DTaP on, is the fear of whooping cough, that it can kill an innocent baby. And so really quickly, the, the irony of the DTaP vaccine in that, the, if you see the commercial, you know, if you're in America where we can advertise vaccines, you'll see grandma holding a baby and then she turns into the big bad wolf. It's by GSK, GlaxoSmithKline. And the idea being, and doctors will say to uh, a mother of a new baby, you need to tell all of your relatives they need to go get, uh, in that case, an adult, it's called a Tdap vaccine. It's the same vaccine, just adult version. They need to get their Tdap vaccine uh, in order to protect your baby, put a cocoon so that whooping cough doesn't get to the baby. But here's what's outrageous about it. We're actually working on a false advertising lawsuit right now. Science now knows. We have multiple studies. There's a great article out of Boston University that uh, in, a, in a baboon animal study, when they gave the baboons the vaccine, you know, they, they, you know, they cleared, they seemed to not get the disease. But then when they put them in a room and put them with whooping cough, they all had colonization of whooping cough in the lungs, meaning they, they got whooping cough. The only thing the vaccine did was take away the cough. The, the alarm system let them know they were sick, but they were sick. And when they put a healthy baboon in next to them, that baboon always got pertussis, meaning they are shedding, they are spreading disease. They just don't know they have the disease because the vaccine took away the cough. So if you think about it, the vaccine actually does the opposite of what you're being told. If grandma and grandpa don't get a vaccine, uh, you know, to, to you know, in the family, and they have a cough at home, they're going to call you and say, you know what, we probably shouldn't come over today. We've got a little cough. We're going to just ride it out. Don't want to be around the baby. If they've had the vaccine, they very just as easily, if not more so, will have pertussis and come over your baby not knowing it. And now you really are putting an infant in danger. Uh, and it takes it one step further. Last year, 2019 new studies came out that because of something called original antigenic sin and um, uh, what was the other term I'm trying to think about epitope suppression you don't need to know I mean, you can go read these studies but we now know that the vaccine actually made our body look at the wrong part of pertussis so not only is it not protecting you from getting it you're going to get pertussis more often throughout life if you had the vaccine and there's no way for them to stop it. They've made a critical error by giving every child that's been vaccinated has gotten five of these vaccines, DTaP vaccines, you give more of those than anything else. That child now scientifically, we know, will have pertussis more throughout their lives because they got the vaccine. So, so it's a total disaster. And it's one of the major lawsuits we're having. I want that vaccine taken off the schedule because it does the exact opposite of everything a vaccine is supposed to do. I'd like to ask you, Joe, I've been giving a lot of thought to, well, if forced vaccinations come in, what am I going to do? Well, the first thing I think I'm going to do is I'm going to say to the doctor, look, I'm going to pay you not to do it. Yeah. Right. If, if I did that and the doctor agreed, can they test you to see whether you've actually had the vaccine or anything? You know, it's really ironic that um, there's actually laws been passed in several states that allow for a pet owner to have what's called a titer test done on the pet. 
titers represent sort of the antibodies. If there's still enough antibodies against rabies or something like that, there are states that are passing laws because in veterinary medicine, they're saying we're vaccinating these animals too much. They're getting, they're, they're having handicap issues, they're getting physical issues, they're developing cancer like crazy, all the things we're seeing in our kids. But what's ironic is we seem to care more about pets than we do our own children because they're very easily passing laws to say you can check the titers and opt out of the vaccine. We can't, like in California, where they take away all your rights, they refuse to accept titer tests, where you would bring your child in and say, look, they still have their measles antibodies, they still, those that got vaccinated, or if you're lucky enough that your child actually had measles and had chickenpox, they're gonna have lifelong immunity, which is something the vaccine has never been able to accomplish. They'll have the Ferrari of immunity. You can't even come in and prove it by saying, look, they had measles, they have their titers, the state doesn't care, they're gonna vaccinate them. Anyway, so no, uh, right now, and that's one of the things we'd like to fight for, is like at least check titers. Uh, there's a law in New Jersey um, called Holly's Law, a mother whose daughter died after vaccination. I want to say it was DTAP vaccine, um, and she, that mother fought and did pass a law that you can test for titers because the girl had all the titers she needed. The vaccine took over the top and killed her. And so they passed a law in New Jersey to, to do that. But when you make a statement like that, if, if, if we get to the point where they force vaccinations, I refuse to even countenance that thought. That is such a law, that is the end of freedom as we know. Yeah. I mean, it's over. I don't, we're here, you know, people talk about Bitcoin and crypto and the freedom of banking. None of that matters if you don't have control of your own body. What difference does it matter if you're a billionaire that can't get on a plane without them injecting the products that have never been tested for safety and are destroying public health in ways we've never seen? So, and we are winning. People are rising up. This message is really growing. I think we're one of the, I would say we're the fastest growing movement in the world. And I don't want people to be debilitated or, you know, or, or to give in or just say give up when we're at a point where we have a fulcrum point change taking place. We were just in New Jersey at the beginning of this year where for over three weeks, Crowds of thousands of people kept lining up outside the Capitol because of a law that was going to take away the religious exemption. On the final day they had to pass it, I was there, and they were saying between five and 8,000 people surrounded the Capitol, and we chanted for eight hours straight, thundering through the Senate chambers. They were befuddled. People inside said they can't think straight, and they were never able to vote. They could not get the consensus together. New Jersey is the home of farmer. There are more you know, pharmaceutical established um, businesses in New Jersey and in any other state. If we can win there, we can win anywhere. We have got to stop this now, and the momentum is on our side. We are now in the offensive position. If you look at the headlines in newspapers, it's attacking anti-vaxxers because they now find themselves in a defensive position. Every article is saying the same thing. The anti-vaxxing movement is growing faster than a pro-vaxxing movement. In fact, every day we gain people. Every day they lose people. The World Health Organization just reported that vaccine hesitancy, that websites like mine are converting at 500% the rate uh, of, of those that are pro-vaccine and trying to push that agenda. Um, the, the American Academy of Pediatrics has now reported that now between 40 and 60% of new parents are questioning vaccines as they're discussing their birth plan. Um, these are gigantic sea change moments. Um, and they're important, and I think we've got to win this and win this now. I am not here to eradicate vaccines from the planet. I believe in freedom. You should have the right to vaccinate if you want. I'm going to do my best to make sure that those vaccines that you believe in have gone through proper safety studies and they have not. I'm a consumer advocate. But I also believe wholeheartedly and most importantly that you should never have a product that is injected you, into you by your government. Uh, that's absolutely crazy that you have no control over. They don't have to tell you what's in it. They don't know what's in it. Your doctor, most of the time, if you ask them, don't even know what is in a vaccine. And, and, and let's talk a little bit about what's in a vaccine. Yeah. Because, I mean, people don't understand, for instance, what a human diploid cell is. Right. Would you like to explain human sure. diploid cells? Sure. So one of the things that, you know, we try to get, especially through religious communities, is you have aborted fetal DNA uh, in many of these vaccines. Um, they use human lung fibroblast or diploid cells. If you read the ingredients, it's WR38, uh, I think it is, and RC, 
five or some version of that to use numbers. And it'll say, you know, uh, lung fibroblasts. Those came from aborted fetuses in the 1960s. We grow, it's the medium by which we grow some of these viruses on. We grow the rubella in the NMR, measles, mumps, rubella. Rubella is grown on these, these aborted uh, tissue. Uh, the varicella, the chickenpox vaccine, and the um, shingles, both varicella, uh, are grown on this medium. Uh, hepatitis A, the polio in the pentavalent vaccine. So why is that a problem? Uh, Dr. Teresa Deicher has done a lot of work on this, and she's one of the top stem cell scientists in the world. She's the scientist that discovered the adult heart stem cell. If you remember an argument in America, whether, you know, when George Bush was going to outlaw the use of aborted fetal stem cells uh, for science, um, she was supporting that because she had found the adult heart stem cells. So we don't need to kill babies. We can harvest our own stem cells. It's actually where all the science has gone because fetal stem cells are, as she describes them, brand new. They, they lead to cancer. If they're not in the right place in the body, they just proliferate. Well, that's one of the issues. And so she's done studies that show, let's take it back a step, the MMR vaccine. So imagine in our, in our infinite wisdom in medicine, we decided we're going to grow, you know, a virus on this aborted DNA. Well, they can't extract, they can't clean the DNA off of the virus when they put it in the vaccine. But what they did decide is we can chop up those DNA strands into fragmented pieces. They didn't do any studies on you know, whether or not it was going to be safe, but they kind of assumed having large strands of DNA floating in the human body could be very dangerous. So maybe we just chop it up into a bunch of little pieces. That'll be safer. No studies done on it, that's what they went with. And Teresa Deicher says that was a catastrophic move because what she's proved in petri dishes is that when we put the MMR vaccine into a dish with stem cells, the stem cells actually grab these fragments of DNA. Imagine it's like A, C, B, D, this letter code, and absorb it into their own DNA strand and mutate themselves. And then the stem cell, why that's a problem, Every any one cell in your body did it, you got millions of them, who cares? But if your stem cells, you have very few stem cells, if the stem cell mutates, it's what recreates cells throughout your body. Now you have a mutation that's being recreated throughout your body. She's proven this in lab studies. To take it a step further, you know, she said, she's talked to the top um, immune therapy scientists in the world. For decades now, we've been talking about being able to splice in, you know, a, a, a piece of genetic code into a DNA where we found an error, that that caused this disease. Can we splice in a fix to eradicate cancer or something like that? We, for decades, have been waiting for that therapy to come online, it's not. What's holding it up is every time that, that fragment of DNA doesn't land exactly where you planned, it's just off a little bit, it immediately causes either a massive autoimmune disease or cancer. Every time. They can't figure it out. And so Teresa Deicher said to one of the top scientists investigating that, she said, what if I told you we were injecting floating fragments of DNA into our children on a constant basis? And the guy said, that's impossible. That would, we would have kids dying of cancer all the time and autoimmune disease. She says we're doing it with the MMR vaccine, we're doing it with the chickenpox vaccine, hepatitis A vaccine, I can prove it. He said, I can't believe that that's true, and it is. So imagine just there, vaccinology, immunology, never talked to stem therapy, and stem cell therapists and, uh, and immune therapists. So we have a massive problem, and it's exactly what we see. What do you think childhood leukemia is? Your stem cell, you know, in your bone marrow, wherever, you are, recreating a mutation. You have an autoimmune disease. Cancer is an autoimmune disease. And that's exactly what she showed us happening. Skyrocketing autoimmune disease in our children. Skyrocketing um, uh, neurological disorders. Skyrocketing cancer. And so when people say, you know, Dell, why did you get into this? Why did you leave an Emmy Award winning, you know, job on the CVS Talks to the Doctors? Because once I saw the truth, how do I stop it? And here it is. I wouldn't be here if we had the healthiest children we'd ever seen. What argument would I have? If, if, I, if I was trying to argue with you that I think vaccines are dangerous, but we have kids that are excelling, they're healthy, they're running around, but the opposite is true. 
We know for a fact the CDC's own numbers in the 1980s, when we were only giving 11 vaccines to our kids by the time they were 18, the chronic illness rate, chronic illness, you know, encapsulates both neurological and autoimmune disease. The chronic illness rate in the 1980s was 12.8% in our kids. 12.8% of our kids had a permanent lifelong disability. Now that we get 54 vaccines in 72 doses, because many of them are not, you know, you know, five dose vaccines, or three doses at one time, three different uh, diseases. Now our chronic illness rate in America is 54% of our kids have a permanent, lifelong disability, either autoimmune disease or neurological disorder. That is the greatest collapse in human health we've ever seen in recorded history. That's never happened before. And so that's why I'm here. And so the argument against me will be, well, we admit we have a crisis in autoimmune and neurological disorders, but you can't prove it's vaccines. How do you know it's not the air? How do you know it's not the food? How do you know it's not the water? And so to that, I say this. Number one, my nonprofit investigates all of those things. I want fluoride out of my water. I want glyphosate off of my vegetables. I want steroids and antibiotics out of my meats. All of these things were said to be safe by the FDA and the same CDC that's telling you vaccines are safe. So either way, they're failing at their job. If it's any one of those things, they're products that they've already approved. But let's be clear, we have an autoimmune disease crisis. If you watch all the drugs being sold, they're immune suppressants because of autoimmune disease, either plaque psoriasis, asthma, diabetes, Crohn's disease. All of these are autoimmune diseases and our kids are suffering from them at 54, one in two are having these issues. So if we have an autoimmune disease crisis, let's look at air, food, water, sure, we should look at all those things, but shouldn't we be looking closest at the one product that's designed to alter and mess with your immune system for life? Because an autoimmune disease means your immune system has gone haywire. It, for some reason, it's attacking yourself, your own body, instead of protecting you, it's attacking you. So when you ask someone how does the vaccine work, they say, well, it, you know, it tricks the immune system into thinking it's had a disease it hasn't had. Okay, great. So you're not just tricking a baby's immune system one time with a hepatitis B vaccine on the first day of life, or 10 more times at two months, or 20 times at four months, or 40 times, or 50 times, 72 times now by the time you reach the age of 18, or 28 times before you're in kindergarten, we have tricked your immune system, confused your immune system, and we're shocked that that immune system is now out of balance and attacking cells in your own body. And for anyone that says, well, I mean, it could be, we should be spending millions, if not billions of dollars investigating vaccines for all of these issues. And it's the only thing they refuse to investigate. He's gonna check the camera. That's cool. I know I tend to talk a lot. No, it's brilliant. You know, it's like, oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, um, is there any way that injecting a vaccine of, let's say, last year's virus could ever be effective for this year? Surely the virus is mutating at such a rate that it isn't the whole principle flawed? I think the principle is flawed, but there are viruses and bacteria that are more stable than others. Flu is very unstable, constantly shifting and changing. So it's really the most useless vaccine that we see. You know, last year, they ended up saying that the vaccine was 10% effective. Uh, this year, it may even be worse. They have, you know, so, you know, many flu and flu deaths are happening in people that were vaccinated. And then, of course, you hear about people that get a flu shot and they say, I got the flu from the vaccine, even though established medicine says that can't happen. I'm, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many people want to say that. But, I, but at, at my talks, I ask people, who knows somebody who got the flu after a vaccine? The hands go up like Boom, that. boom. We all know somebody. Yeah. I also ask, how many people know somebody who's died of the flu? No hands. Right, right. So, but, you know, let me be clear. I think measles vaccine protects you from measles for a little while. 
you don't want to be protected against me. Well, that's you, a, you want to get it. That's a well, and we and we could totally get into that conversation. That's absolutely right, and that's why I will never give that vaccine to my children. But let's be clear: you're giving two MMR vaccines to your kids because the first one did not give lifelong immunity, as we were promised when it was first came out in 1961. Uh, then they added a second one to say, well, two will get us there. Now I'm at meetings at the CDC where they're having mumps outbreaks in fully vaccinated communities and even a naval ship that was stuck out at sea where they were all fully vaccinated and mumps was running rampant. So now they're talking about a third MMR in college. And if you looked at the CDC's adult vaccine schedule, which I told you they're gonna start enforcing upon you, there's two more MMRs for adults. So what that tells you is they know the vaccine is wearing off. There are also studies that show that after a second MMR vaccine, Every time you get one, the, the duration that lasts is shorter and shorter and shorter. It's true for flu shots too. It, for some reason, the body, once it sees this a few times, it just becomes less and less effective to the point where any elderly person that's getting the fifth flu shot, you're just wasting your time and all you're getting is the toxins because it's absolutely useless in your body. It's not providing any sort of health benefit anymore. So that's the problem. And when we see measles outbreaks now, and you're going to start seeing more of them, trust me, not because people aren't vaccinating. It's not the anti-vaxxers. It was the anti-vaxxers. You know, I was in New York during the big measles outbreak, and I had like someone from NBC News say, you are personally responsible for this measles outbreak here. I said, really? I mean, it's amazing to give me that level of power, you know, but let's just, let's just, can we just break that down for a second? I've been speaking publicly on this for about four years. So unless everyone with the measles in New York right now is either four years old or younger, then I've just proven that's not true. And we know that 50% of the cases now tend to be adults. Why are adults getting measles? They never, ever used to. We never saw, back in 1960 before a vaccine, every adult had had the measles as a kid and had lifelong immunity, and therefore herd immunity, had protected that community for a very, very long time. We're seeing adults because the vaccine program has failed. It doesn't work. The vaccines have worn off, and so now you're having huge sweeps of measles outbreaks in adult communities and kids too. But the problem is not the anti-vaxxers. The problem is the vaccine program is a complete failure, and it's very dangerous. When you go back to when we were going to implement, especially like measles, the discussion by top scientists were don't do this. Don't take a trivial childhood illness and, and try to create you know, a, a fake immunity around it. Because if you fail, you will remove, you will eradicate true herd immunity, which is what we have now. The death rate of measles was less than zero before the vaccine came along because we had such a robust herd immunity around it. And they said, if the vaccine program fails, two things will happen. Adults who you do not want to get measles as an adult, far more dangerous to get as an adult. You want it as a robust three to five-year-old, seven-year-old child, best time to get it. So all the vaccine done is done is delayed the age at which you get it because it wore off. Now you're getting it the most dangerous age. Even worse is what we're seeing with antibiotics. With viruses, there's something called viral replacement. You go after a specific strain of a virus is what you're talking about, particularly measles, then you, you create a vacuum. And there's multiple strains of all of these viruses. Another one steps into place. And, and ironically, it tends to usually be a more dangerous strain. Uh, if we want to really get in the weeds for a second, it's kind of fascinating. If you think about a virus as having a life form and a life source, if a virus kills you, it dies in that, it dies with, with that body. So the virus has to learn to only make you sick enough that it can proliferate and spread, but not kill its host. So it becomes obvious why, when we have these diseases, that the, the, the more, you know, the, the less strong or virulent one is the one that survives. Yeah. It's the one that lasts. And so that's what happens. Means it's very deadly in the beginning, but slowly it gets replaced by a much more gentle version. You kill that gentle version with the vaccine program, now you create an environment where the other one starts stepping in and giving it a shot again. Now, and we're seeing, we're seeing vaccine resistant strains out of Ukraine. I believe that it might be what we're also seeing in Samoa. Now we wanna see real genotyping happening uh, where we get to see the genotype 
And by the way, we're seeing vaccine strain measles, where the vaccine is either shedding or people are getting measles from the vaccine. All of these things are being hidden by the media, which I already told you, is owned by pharma. We're not getting the true story, but that's what I'm doing. I'm trying as hard as I can to do what I did for the medical establishment on the doctor's television show, on my weekly talk show, The High Wire with Del Bigtree. You can see it on Facebook and YouTube or go to thehighwire.com. I'm interviewing all the scientists. We're doing the research and really trying to get the true story. If you care about science, you should be appalled at how they're discussing these things around you. Uh, none of it makes any sense, just like the idea that anti-vaxxers are causing these epidemics, then there should be no adults getting it because the anti-vaccine movement did not make that 30-year-old not vaccinated 30 years ago. It only is affecting children. Why are the adults getting these diseases, especially those that are saying, I got the vaccine and it didn't work? When people used to get measles in, say, the 40s, 50s, 60s, it was normal to treat it with vitamin A and vitamin C. You know, if one of the obviously you know one of the, one of the problems with measles is childhood blindness. Right. But there have been children who, you know, back in you know, 50 years ago, went blind, were given intravenous vitamin A, and they got the sight back. I mean, vitamin C will overcome, I would say, any virus. Would you? Would you? I think that that's with, with our family. You know, I I worked with Suzanne Humphreys a lot, who has a protocol of taking ascorbic uh, vitamin C um, and sodium ascorbate. You know, in, in large doses, yeah. you know, and yeah, it, it's very effective. Every time we know someone in my house gets a sniff or something, we just start cranking vitamin C and it's gone, you know, overnight. Um, I think, sure, we know vitamin C, we know vitamin A, but it's what's really troubling is how they've rewritten the history of this disease. How the news anchors feel comfortable saying deadly measles outbreak when no one in America has died in any of these outbreaks in, in over a decade. And if you've looked historically at it, as I said, you know, let's really be honest about the numbers. In 1961, if you go to the CDC's website and you look at all the information on measles before there's a vaccine, it'll tell you that they're estimating that four to five million people would get the measles in America every year. And of those, um, 400 to 500 deaths would occur, right? It sounds scary, four or 500 deaths, but when you look at the millions of people uh, that lived here, you know, uh, at that time, 200 and something million people, I guess, in the 60s, you come up with, as a societal number, one and half a million people died of the measles in 1961. Or if you go with just those who got the measles, which is, you know, breaking it down, one in 10,000 would die that's that's 0.01%. You know, we are calling something deadly that affects 0.01% of the population. And I think that we know more about vitamin A and vitamin C. We have better delivery systems of intravenous that if our doctors were actually trained to not just say vaccines in the only way, but here's how you actually treat it. I think those numbers would go down. We are also talking about, we have better infrastructure. We have better, cleaner water. We have better sewage. Everything has gotten better. So I don't even think we'd be at one in 10,000 now if people didn't vaccinate. And the, you know, those one in 10,000 are presumably that the elderly and the rag weak, and right. they, if it wasn't dying of that, they probably would have died from something else because we would have died at some point. That's exactly right. And so, and then you have to ask yourself, what did we trade for that? Uh, we've paid a really, really serious price, uh, and some of which I've you know, touched on. But let's look at two things. If you look at studies that have been done, massive, hundreds of thousands of people. Here's what we know. If you had measles as a child, wild measles, um, there's a study that showed that people who did not get measles, got vaccinated for the measles, had a 67% increased risk of having non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a 233% increased risk of developing Hodgkin's lymphoma. Over a huge, gigantic, I mean, these are giant studies, so it's not accidental. Clearly, your immune system needs to be primed by these childhood infections. You know, if you look at, you know, heart disease, if you had measles and mumps as a child, you reduce your chance of getting heart disease by 10%. That, you know, heart disease kills, you know, 600,000 people a year in America by simply 
not getting a measles and mumps vaccine and getting the disease, you just saved up to 60,000 people from heart disease. That's more than any vaccine can claim it's doing in America. So this idea that, oh, the vaccine is at least, you know, not as dangerous as, as the disease, it's not true. Yeah. So, so that's one thing. Um, uh, ovarian cancer in women is reduced by 50% if they had measles and mumps as little girls. Wow. Gigantic. You yeah. know how many people that kills? So, and these are real studies. This isn't some hocus pocus. This is published medical journal understanding. And then I think the, the worst part of the, the, when we look at measles, is as we said, you had lifelong immunity if you got the measles in the, you know, wild measles. You can never get it again. Uh, vaccine can never achieve that. But even more, shocking is that a young girl who got measles and has lifelong immunity when she gives birth she passes that immunity on to her baby for at least the first year and a half of life if she breastfeeds that can be stretched out to two two and a half years old by two years old the baby's fully capable of handling measles you're, you're, you have a robust immune system now it's it's running and so when your mother's immunity that she gave you wears off now you're ready to get it yourself and then you'll go on protecting your children but here's what's happening the vaccinated mother passes no immunity onto her baby. And so for the first time in history, we're seeing babies, especially like you look at Samoa, places like that, babies contracting measles. You look back at measles outbreaks in the 1960s, there's no babies, there's no babies getting measles because they all have immunity from their yeah. parents. Yeah. That is, that's devastating and that's terrifying. And so when the pharmaceutical industry says, we have to protect those babies, therefore you have to get these vaccines to cocoon them, you are the reason these babies are now in harm's way. But it creates a very complicated uh, issue now for those of us that are looking at this, saying, we do have vulnerable babies. Do we just give in and say, we have to all get these vaccines, even though it's given us an inferior immunity, it's, it's gonna continue to put generations of babies at risk, or do we have to slowly back our way back out of this program and get to where we were, which is a lifelong herd of immunity that cannot be penetrated? That is, is like I say, we have given up the Ferrari of immunity from getting wild uh, viruses and traded it for the Pinto of immunity. And we're going to the doctor all the time and we're sick all the time. We're having to get that car fixed all the time. That's what the pharmaceutical industry has done to us. That's what the vaccine program has done. Us. And then lastly, I mean, I could, I, obviously I could go on for days and days, but I've been on this for four years. Think about how ridiculous our vaccine program is. There are billions of viruses and bacteria in your stomach right now. Billions, right? Trillions in our environment around the world. And the medical establishment is going about trying to take each one of these and make a vaccine for it. They currently have vaccines for, you know, for 16 of billions of viruses and bacteria. And they're telling you, you're putting everyone at risk by not taking these 16 in an ocean. It is less than a drop in an ocean of things that you could be afraid of if you don't have a good immune system. They're giving you a false sense of security. And then, you know, so it's stupid anyway. And do you? What point are you going to say this is ridiculous? You mean I have to get a hundred vaccines this year? A thousand vaccines? We're moving to two thousand vaccines? Like when is it going to stop? That is the plan. The plan of the medical establishment is to have a vaccine for every virus and bacteria out there. That's like proof that they're like third grade mentality of who is deciding how to create your health. It is just totally incredible. So with the lawsuits that you're bringing forward, how realistic is it to think that maybe in one year's time we'll be free of this vaccine nonsense? Is that a possibility? How far are we away? I think we're potentially within one year's time to five years' time of having a forced vaccination program. We have to interrupt that. That's the most important thing. We have to slow that down. Um, I believe that these lawsuits um, are very, very important. You know, the ones we're looking at with DTAP vaccine. Once we show the world that your government is forcing a vaccine on you that was doing the opposite of what you were told, um, they're going to be in real trouble. People are going to lose a lot of faith uh, in their government. Why didn't you make a better vaccine? Why didn't you fix it once you knew the problem? That's just the first one. Why are we giving a hepatitis B vaccine on the first day of life 
hepatitis B is like AIDS or HIV. You only contract it if you're sharing heroin needles or sleeping with prostitutes. We're giving this vaccine to day one old babies. Why does that bother me? Because we have the highest rate of first day baby death in the industrialized world. We have more babies die in the United States of America, 50% more die in America than every other industrialized nation combined. And we're one of the only ones giving a sexually transmitted disease vaccine to a newborn baby. It's just insane. It's totally insane. So I do believe that when lawsuits start winning in civil court, we can't sue the manufacturer. I don't know if we got into that. We took liability away from the manufacturer in 1986. Otherwise, I'd be suing Merck and I'd be suing Sanofi Aventis and GlaxoSmithKline, but I can't. They're protected from lawsuits. But what we have decided is what I think is really the unique approach my nonprofit took. Everyone for decades has been trying to get the truth across, but just saying we can't sue, we can't sue. My legal team found the loophole. We can sue government agencies oh, and wow. we can sue state governments that take away your rights if we can prove that it wasn't the right, you know, it wasn't the right means to do it and that your science isn't adding up. So we are going, we are putting science on trial. The science of vaccines is going on trial this year for the first time in history. And I believe we are going to win. Excellent. So is there something specific that, that people listening to this can do themselves? you recommend what steps should people take I mean you know, let's say somebody's got a child and the doctor is saying to them we're going to vaccinate your child what should they do to try and avoid that if they want to get out of it they just don't want to accept it well I mean I think that that's first of all I'm not a doctor and I don't give medical advice I'm not here to tell someone to don't vaccinate your child I can only say this I have not given either my six-year-old daughter or my 11-year-old son any of the vaccines based on my research and my investigation into it but you have to, every parent has to do their own research. There are risks to every decision you make. There are risks to vaccinating, and that I want people to know. You're being told there aren't, there are definitely certain risks to vaccinating, but there are risks to not. You know, there's a potential, especially if you're an immune suppressed child, that's something that happened. But if you're finding yourself being pressured, First of all, make sure you know what the laws of your state are. There are still really only, I think, five states in the United States of America that don't allow you to opt out of that vaccine program. So if you're not in California, Maine, New York, West Virginia, um, or Mississippi, then you have the ability to say to your doctor, I'm sorry, I, I get how passionate you are about this, but I'm going to go ahead and you know get a, an exemption, either a religious or a personal belief exemption. If you live in a state like California, uh, and many parents come up and say, we weren't vaccinating our kids, but I have no choice now. I only have one thing to say to those parents, that you may think you have solace in the idea that I was forced to give my child a vaccine because I had to have them in school. Maybe you're a single parent, but for some reason, you can't homeschool, which is the only place you can go. If your child gets vaccinated and you see them regress from a permanent autoimmune disease like type 1 diabetes that will shorten their life and make their life more difficult, if unfortunately they have a neurological disorder, some form of autism, or develop ADD, ADHD, and can't focus, or severe depression that we're seeing happening in girls after vaccines, where now they have to be on antidepressants their whole life. There is nothing about your having thought that you didn't have a choice that will exonerate your guilt. Instead, I would say this, you're not trapped right now in the state of I, I always joke, there's an app now for oppression. It's called Zillow. Open it up and find another state you can live in that has better vaccine laws. That's the only recommendation I can make. Move. Move. Homeschool or move. I don't care where, you know, we say I can't afford to do that. I know that the times are tight, but throughout time, people in Nazi Germany did get out, did say, I see this coming. I'm not going to wait for this. People in the worst of circumstances have survived, you know, the Turkish Holocaust or all of it. Children's stories of seven-year-old children I've met that, that hiked by themselves thousands of miles uh, to find freedom in situations. It's always historically possible. But most of all, do not be silent. The most important thing right now is that not only do you go to your capital and you stand up and you find your local health freedom group to support them, 
that you donate to them, you donate your time and energy to them. The most important thing you have to do is start educating yourself on this, on this and talking to everyone you know. Forget about being embarrassed, forget about getting yelled at, forget about, remember, they're caught in an ideology and they're putting their own children at risk. You are only doing, you know, you cannot be afraid to talk about it any longer or we are going to have no control over our own bodies. We will be living in a dystopian novel so soon where you have no control over your body and what's being injected into it. You know, the idea, then what happens after vaccines? Is it then we have to put your child on Ritalin because they're just distracted and for the good of the, the greater good of the classroom, your child cannot be distracting, we're forcing them on Ritalin. For the greater good of the classroom, your daughter's depression, we're putting her on antipsychotics whether you believe in it or not. Once that floodgate opens, pharma is now in control of your life. There is no way that should make sense to anyone that still has brain cells working inside their head right now. And, you know, if you want to be able to sit at home and really make a difference, these lawsuits I'm in, that we're involved in and our legal team, we are going to be taking these things to the Supreme Court. It is very, very expensive. We are fighting for the children of the world and for that to stop that future adult mandate. If you can help, if you're one of these, you know, Bitcoin people out there or something, I need you to help me out. Go to ICanDecide.org. Go to the donate button. We can take Bitcoin. We can take PayPal. We can take everything. What I'm asking people to do right now is donate $20 a month for 2020. We have a weekly talk show. I'm going to be giving you, you know, all of the, the data that I present in the show. You will get a newsletter. Uh, treat us like Netflix. Watch our show. Go to ICanDecide.org, which is my nonprofit's website, and download the white papers and start reading what we've proven to be true about the scientific problems with vaccines. Uh, all of those education materials are free for everybody that wants them. But for those that can afford to help, we could really use your help. $20 a month for 2020. Let's bring clarity and vision to this issue. It really, I think, is the most important issue of our time. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just, before we finish, ask you one more question. It seems, from what I've heard, but if the statistics of autism in America carry on the way they're going, we've got something like 10 years before, I've heard, I don't know if this is right or not, the half of the children in America have got autism. Is, is there any truth in that? So in the film Vast, we uh, interviewed an MIT genius, like more letters behind her name, uh, uh, scientist named um, Stephanie Sack, mathematician. And she started charting out based on the increase in autism that we're seeing. That, and this was back in 2016 when, when we released. She said at the given rate of increase in autism, we will be at one in two children being diagnosed with autism by 2032. She has since recalculated and is also entering in this idea that glyphosate in our food is having a synergistic effect on the vaccine program. And I believe she's now saying by 2025, we may be diagnosing uh, our children one and two. Um, so and five years from now, half the children in America could have autism. And, and so we just saw the CDC announce two weeks ago that even though we keep being told, oh, we're just diagnosing it better, that's why the numbers are increasing. The latest numbers, I think the ones you can trust are coming out of New Jersey. It's the only state that mandates that doctors have to report every child they have with autism. In New Jersey, autism is now one in 32 children roughly one in 26 to 28 boys because it affects boys uh, in, a, in a greater measure. Um, and now the CDC is saying, we think we're missing 25% of the cases. That means they're about to tell us we are moving towards one in 24, one in 22. This thing is the fastest growing, most dangerous epidemic. I did a show with an, uh, with an economist on the high wire uh, just, I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, Toby Rogers, that has crunched all the numbers around autism. Autism alone is going to cost America $1 trillion per year to treat by the year 2025. It will catch up in the next 10 years or so with the cost of our defense budget. Just autism. Add in asthma, add in diabetes, add in all of these other autoimmune diseases that multiple studies are now showing vaccines are creating. This vaccine program is going to bankrupt the United States of America. Yeah, as if it weren't bankrupt already, of course. If we weren't bankrupt already. It's really, really shocking. 
And I know people say, how is it possible that the government would continue something like that? I want you to ask yourself, how would a government at this point admit something like that? The confidence in the United States government now hangs. It's the only product they've ever forced on us. People say, well, it's tobacco silence. No, it's worse. The United States government never forced us to smoke. And it was still hard to get a whistleblower's truth out there that tobacco causes cancer. Now imagine a product that is funded, supported, and forced upon you by the government. Even if they do know, how do they tell you? How are they going to back away from it? They are in a catch-22 now. If they don't continue with the program, and you recognize that the decline in health is based on the health departments of America, will you ever trust them again? This is why they refuse to do any safety studies at all. They are so paralyzed by the thought that even the slightest proof that a small group of people are being injured by vaccines, which is logical. There's not a single pharmaceutical product that doesn't kill somebody. True. So, you know, there's not a single piece of food on this planet where someone's not going to have an allergic reaction. So to say that somehow vaccines are immaculate is insane. Yet that's the, that's the standard by which they have put on themselves. They're going to die by that sword because too many people are eyewitnesses now to the demise of themselves or their own children. And so what is the government going to do? I actually want to try and reach out to the government and say, first of all, please put liability back on the industry. I don't want to see, you know, the, the, the nation's government system that I grew up in totally obliterated by the fact that you took liability for something you didn't even make. Put it back in the manufacturers. It will probably destroy Merck when we start suing them, and we know they did. It'll it'll destroy Sanofi Aventis. It'll destroy GlaxoSmithKline. But the United States government should be able to stand strong and start cleaning up your act. Stop getting involved in industries. Stop letting people from the you know from Merck and Sanofi run the CDC. And that really is our problem, right? You know, revolving door. Revolving door. My you know I grew up a progressive liberal. You know. And my friends and my family back home are like, Donald Trump is going to destroy the regulatory agencies. He's undermining the regulatory agencies, you know. And I say, I hope he blows them all up. Yep. Uh, the reason being that if the FDA is being run by people from Monsanto, which it is, if the CDC is being run by people from Merck and Sanofi Aventis and GlaxoSmithKline, if the EPA is being run by people who ran Exxon, then you don't have regulatory agencies anymore. That is the state we live in. Yeah. I would rather they disappear completely to take away your false sense of safety. You need to recognize right now that a long time ago, your regulatory agencies and essentially your government stopped caring about you and started caring about the industries. They're protecting the industries from you, the opposite of what they were supposed to have done. Exactly. So let's get rid of them, and at least you'll go back to reading every label and recognizing you're all on your own. Now you're going to have to start doing your own research. That is just simply the truth. We can change this. I'm positive we can fix this. But just like anything else, just like an alcoholic, our government is going to have to say, I'm an alcoholic and I need to change. We have pushed a product upon you that's dangerous. We have to admit that and now say, let's find a better way forward. It has to happen or we risk a vaccine that could accidentally eradicate us from the planet. I mean, HPV vaccine, many studies are now showing, is reducing fertility at an outrageous rates. Really? So many people are having trouble giving birth. If vaccines would do that, what if we have a vaccine that somehow skips a generation, was okay in one mother, but her child will never be able to have babies? There's been drugs like that, you know. We've given drugs for morning sickness that ended up affecting the next generation of daughters could not give birth. That becomes the end of the species if you had a vaccine that could So therefore, instead of medicine, you know, admonishing a small group of people, which is growing, but a group of people that don't vaccinate, we should celebrate that we will always have a group of pure DNA that didn't take some product because if we ever make a misstep, we are going to need that healthy, clean individual that decided they wanted lifelong, they took on the diseases and they took on that risk so that they are always there to provide us with real, unadulterated human blood and DNA, which no vaccinated person will ever be able to provide us ever again.
How's your back now? You know, my back is fantastic. I'm really, I'm, it's, 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 it's quite amazing. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna reach out. I think I'm gonna try and get one of those for my family next time. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm restoring them. So if you want one, I'll give you a proper price that won't break the bank. Um, you know, it's, I mean, you know, as you're doing, I'm doing the same, it's just about education. That's we, it. We've got to explain to people, get your own health back, get it in your own hands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for your work. I mean, it's not, to do these things, we're all called quacks. We're told we're crazy, you know, they're they're attacking, but that's all they have left is name calling. They can't fight us on science. They can't stand and they can't sit at the table in a debate because I'll show you the science I'm looking at. You show me the science that said that vaccines are safe. That's why we're winning lawsuits. For people that say, you know, Dell Bigtree spreads misinformation, I read it in the New York Times, we read it in the Washington Post. I say, really? Then why am I winning lawsuits against the Department of Justice? You should try to win a lawsuit with misinformation. Very, very hard to do. It's incredible the, the lawsuits that have been won against the American government. Martin Luther King's family sued for the unlawful killing of Martin Luther King and won. Yeah. Why do people know? Is that amazing? Yeah. It's amazing. It's uh, it's a brilliant time. I mean, all of this can sound really scary, but I think this is the most exciting time we have ever been in. Well, absolutely. You know, so much that was prophesied, whether in novels or science fiction novels, we no longer are a generation that's going to say. Well, I'll see what my grandchildren have to deal with. We're going to see in our lifetime, in the next decade, whether or not we lost control of our bodies and the government took over and started injecting us with things we have no control over. Whether they took away all of our guns in any way to defend ourselves, whether they took away our rights to control our own property, all of that, all of it, right now, it's all going to be in our lifetime. Yes. So we will get to know whether we won or lost. I mean, that's the Super Bowl, baby. Isn't that what we all wanted to be? We wanted to be in the big game, the one, the game that decided everything. Everyone alive right now, you are in the game that decides everything. How about we win? Well, absolutely. And interestingly, the answers are all there. They're all there. Yeah. The science is there. Yeah. There's no, there's not a question in it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, people say, well, what about the food issue? What if population grows? Well, have you seen what the Chinese are doing, regrowing deserts? Yeah. They, you know, they get, they get a seed with the hardiest bush. Encapsulate in natural materials, bury it about three meters down, water it once, and now when it grows, it's hardy enough to stop the horizontal sand being whipped by the, you know, the wind blowing it. And the, I can't remember how many square miles they're regrowing a day, but it's massive. So the idea we haven't got enough food is over. We just look at, you know, I, I, I look at sort of it's just started journeying into sort of libertarian values. This idea that when the market decides it, things will change, you know? We've got to leave the market free. I used to fight that concept, but more and more. I mean, look at Tesla. It's a really fascinating car. Maybe batteries may not be the perfect answer, but it's certainly a step towards trying to do something uh, that, that, that doesn't pollute as much. And if you watch the Super Bowl, Michelob now as a beer commercial is saying, they're calling our beers organic. And for right. every six pack you buy, we will convert six square feet of farmland into an organic farm. Oh, that is so exciting. That, that's amazing. You, you know, you go to Costco and Walmart and there's organic food there. Change is upon us and it's possible. We have to remain hopeful and, and just really try to get the government out of the way. Let's get back to our decisions are ours to make, not the government's. Well, I mean, yeah, when government goes on holiday at Christmas, for instance, do things get worse? No. No. So they just shouldn't come back. Right. I mean, I think we should surround all, all the government buildings and not let them in. Not protest outside, <laughs> right. but just to stop them from getting in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, when they can't get a budget together and all of a sudden they all get laid off for a while, more and more, there's no panic. It used to be a panic. Oh my God. Now people are like, oh, so what? Like nothing changes because really they're not doing anything except, you know, getting in our way. Well, brilliant, though. It's really great talking to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank right. you so much. Thank you.